Good evening. Shabbos, Parshas Vayera. Not to be confused with Vayera. Especially since one is in Rishis, one is Shemais. This week we had the occasion of Yur Aleph Cheshvan, as we spoke last week, the outside of Rachel Imenu. Pash Vayera, like every Pasha, has many, many very important and potent lessons, beginning with the story of Avram Avinu Achnasus Archim. Going until the Kriya of Rosh Hashanah, what we read on Rosh Hashanah, Akedas Yitzchak, and of course all the rest of the parish in between, dealing with the not such positive. Story of late, his children, his daughters, and Sadaim. Also, hear about, of course, Ishmael's expulsion. question becomes I don't know if this person's online or not oh I'm on okay the question becomes the tenth test that Avraham Avinu is tested with his Akedah of Yitzchak. Where Hashem tells him to take his one and only son that he loves so much and to place him on an altar and to slaughter him. Another one of the tests, which is ultimately known as the most profound and the greatest of all the tests. Another test which we read last week's parasha, was Lech Lecha Me'artzecha Me'laratcha Me'savicha. Leave your father's house and go. Now obviously, Lech Lecha, as you might notice, is without a forwarding address. Whereas the Lech Lecha that comes to the Akedah, David tells him exactly where to go. Um, interestingly, I had a meeting today with a few people. The question actually came up 
The fellow wants to know what is the actual difference. And somebody else that was there said that he heard from a very prominent development. I don't remember the name of the person. Zweig, Rabbi Zweig, in Florida. Um, however, I don't know exactly, I didn't write down exactly how he translated it, how he expressed it, how he told it. Something to the effect of, and I bet Mechila, I'm not copying it, but repeating it exactly. Lechlecha is a test. It's a test because Avraham Avinu is being told, Lechlecha, to yourself, leave your own essence. Leave your Metzius. Ultimately, by leaving your Metzius, you can ascertain the level of being able to Lech Lecha to take your son to an Akedah. Now we have to understand that the test itself elevates the person. The fact that the Ebishter gives such a test It's testimony to the greatness of the person. How much more so if the person actually completes the test, especially with flying colors, as Avraham Vinu did. We know the famous story of the Rebbe Rashab was a little boy, four or five years old, came to Yechidus. Yechidus was not just a passerby visit. He went in actually for Yechidus to ask this very, very sensitive question. And he went into his grandfather, Tzemach and he said to him, he was crying, and he said, how is it that God reveals himself to Avraham Avinu, he doesn't reveal himself to us. And the answer is brought down in the Hayyem Yem of Tes Cheshvan. When a Yid, a Tzaddik, when a Jew, a Tzaddik, decides at the age of 99 years old to circumcise himself, he deserves Hashem should reveal himself to him. And the Rebbe repeated the story many times. And obviously, it's not just a story. First of all, the Rebbe says, even a child, the lesson from this very, very powerful lesson is, even a child four or five years old, or any Jew, at the level, the spiritual level of four or five years old, has not yet reached the level of actual proper chinuch, has to be educated, not just educated, but educated to yearn 
for divine revelation. Another thing Samach Tzedek's answer teaches us that every Jew resolves to become close to Hashem and remove any barriers that they have existing between them and Hashem can merit that God reveals Himself to him just like did our ancestor. How does that show it? Because the child asks for it. If it was not something that is at all possible, he would not ask. No, you leaving anything over there? No, we well, made two. You made two. He did. We see a great, great act. No, it's not. Don't. A great act of Avraham Avinu of bringing, of having Brismila on the third day. Avraham Avinu puts God in the catch twenty-two. An interesting catch twenty-two. God obviously was very happy with what Avraham Avinu did. But he also saw how much pain he caused Avraham. Not from the Mila. Depriving Avraham Avinu from a mitzvah that wasn't just something a run of a mere mitzvah. This was Avram Avinu's essence. Avram comes from Chesed. And therefore, his essence is doing Chesedim. Doing kindness. One such chesed, having guests, hospitality. And because now he was being, because God was worried and concerned of Ram's well being, and saw the pain that Avram was in from the bris, God took out the sun from its cover, which was put in after the Chet Etzidas. It was obviously throughout the world. And the heat was so intense that nobody was able to walk outside. Avram Avinu, in turn, saw nobody coming, sat outside his tent to look, to search, to hopefully find a guest. It's also brought down that the sun has a healing measure. And the healing 
of the heat of the sun was why another reason that Avraham Avinu had gone outside to sit in the sun. Hashem sends three angels. One angel's job, his existence was to visit Avram and to heal him. One was to tell Sarah, and the other was to turn over Sadaim. Rashi tells us. One Malach does not do two Shlichasen. Although throughout here, we find that all three of them are sitting together. The question is, of course... We find over here very interesting, many interesting phenomena that Avraham Avinu pulls off. Firstly, Avraham is having a conversation with God, who came to visit him as well for his being not well. So Hashem is essence also coming to be Mavakachela to visit the sick. And then Avram Vinu Vayisa in Avayar, the Pasik tells us he lifts up his eyes from talking in the middle of talking to God. He got distracted by a shiny object. Not quite. That's a shalom. He saw three people. He saw three people coming towards him. Potential guests. How wonderful. He says to God, excuse me, hold that thought. I have guests. We see therefore, says the Gemara, that greeting of guests is even greater than visiting, than greeting of God, of sitting in the presence of God. Powerful, powerful lesson. We still want to discuss the difference of the Lech Lechaz and which was actually greater the fact that Lech Lecha, Me'artzacha, without knowing, without anything, with no hint as to where he was going, was that a greater test than the test of Akedah Yitzchak? So as we said now, one lesson we learn 
straight off the bat, is the greatness of Achnas HaSarechem of greeting guests. You know, friends, there are times where we like to antagonize issues. We like to get on the people's fingernails sometimes. Not everybody has the nature. Some people are just plain withdrawn and don't like to do any such things. But many, many people called, you know, people that just literally call pranksters, they all do pranks all day long. They live by them. But then you have the rare person that opportunity presents itself and they just say something or do something or mention something for the fun of it, to see what the reactions they'll get from it. It's interesting sometimes to see human reactions. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't realize or we don't measure the repercussions that can be caused. We don't measure the actual consequence that could be suffered or could come about from our frivolous behavior. And how many times has it happened that a man is told something about his wife or a woman is told something about her husband by somebody just looking to stir up trouble between them. Understand, please. Divorce, Rahman al-Islam, a get, is a very, very horrific thing. Not mentioning all the psychological problems that come about, especially when there's children involved. The mere fact a get is given by a man to a woman, even though it's a mitzvah menatera. But the Yomara tells us that when a woman gets a get from her husband, the Mizbeach cries. The altar cries. Why would first of all, bring down such an awkward thing that the altar would cry about it. And secondly, out of all the parts of the Holy Temple, all the Kalim and the Beis Hamidash, why the Mizbeach? The Benayra gives off the light. The Shulchan feeds the world. These things have sensitivity. What is the Mizbeach? The Mizbeach, you have the animal, the sacrifices, the burning the blood being sprayed on what is the Mizbeach? The Mizbeach is made of stone. And nature, when one is compared to the heart of stone, it means the person is ruthless, as cold, as cold-hearted, cold-blooded. Heart of stone. Therefore, the Gemara is telling us that a get is such a heartbreaking thing, such a heartbreaking happening, Rahman al-Islam, that even the Mizbeach cries from it. Very, very powerful lesson. How important it is to keep 
peace, to keep shalom, to keep shalom bias between a husband and wife, to keep shalom between friends, not to talk about somebody else, not to look for something that you could tell, oh, I have a good mikvah story to tell you, did you hear what happened? And many times did you hear that happened, what happened is based on something that's totally, totally a lie or totally baseless. But it's a good, juicy gossip story. Because the good, juicy gossip story, people like to hear it and people like to tell it. Unfortunately for the person that has to live through it afterwards. Our Parsha, we have this very, very important lesson. The Malach comes and says, Aye Sara Ishtecha, where is Sara your wife? And the concept of Aye is also a very, very powerful We're not going into right now. Aye Sara Ishtecha because I want to tell her that she's going to bear a child. Sarah's reaction, how is that possible? Maybe I'm going to remarry now? What's going to happen to Avram? I love Avram. He's such a tzaddik. Where am I going to find such a husband again? But from him, how can I have a child? He's an old man. To which the Malach, or the Abishta, then comes to Avram Avinu and says, Hayipole. Is there anything that's withheld from God? Is there anything that God can do? Why is it? Why did Sarah laugh in her heart saying that she's too old to have a child if I said she would have one? And we look again at the dialogue in the Pasuk and we see, no, Sarah did not say that. Sarah says that Avram Avinu is too old. Again, Rashi explains the Mechamesh the Mikra. Because there is a simple question that bothers everyone reading the Pasuk. And he explains that Shalom Bayes is so important that even Hashem had to deviate from the truth in order to keep peace between a husband and a wife, between Avram and Sarah. So instead of actually saying what Sarah actually said, which might be insulting to Avram Avinu, Davisha tells him a little deviation. Avram's visit that he receives here is because it was Bikr Chaylim, the visitation of the sick. Chayla is Gematria 49. Kabbalah tells us, 50 is the 50 gates of spiritual understanding. The Nun Shari Bina. 49 of which have to be achieved by the person's own initiative. The 50th God grants. And therefore, as he became sick, Avram, the 49th gate, he was plotting and yearning for the 50th. 
And we see that because Cheva is Gematria 49. And through the Bris Mila, he now achieved Sharanun, the 50th gate. But very, very strange Pasuk, the Lashon of the Pasuk is a very awkward one. What was Avraham Avinu doing outside on the street? First of all, what does it mean? He ran towards them. He ran after them. You don't run towards them. If they're coming towards you, what do you have to run for? What happened here was they started to come towards Avram and they saw how weak and pained he was and they didn't want to impose. But Avram being such a holy and special person, even though they were Malachim, out of the great respect to Avram Avinu, they started to back away from him. They didn't want to turn their backs to him. When we walk away from a holy person, we don't turn our back, we back away. When we'd go into Yechidus, when we'd get a dollar, which we should to do once again very soon, you wouldn't walk away, you wouldn't turn your back to the Rebbe and walk away, you would actually back away from the Rebbe. And so too these angels did the same. They backed away when they saw that this venerable person, this holy person, was in such pain and trouble. But as they backed away, he ran towards them. Rashi says, why was he sitting there? He was sitting to see if there's an Ever and a Shav, a person, a passerby. In essence, what was he looking for? He was looking for a guest. Why does Rashi use it as a fla- the expression Ever Veshav? Sometimes a guest comes to someone's house and they're not 100% comfortable. It's difficult being a guest in someone else's house. And therefore, although they start heading out towards the person's house, midway they decide, you know, I I can't, I'm just, I, I don't want to. And they'll turn away. Avram was very great in the midst of hospitality. And wanted to make sure everybody was comfortable. So he would sit by the entrance. Once he spotted a person, immediately started to say, Come, 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 don't be shy, don't be embarrassed. Please come, join me in my house. Also, Eber Vishav can also refer to Eber, a person that did Achman of the Sun Naveda. And Vishav is now doing tshuva. Avram's home was specially open for people at Bali tshuva, also who wanted to do tshuva. 
people wanted to come closer to Hashem. And his fee, in essence, was just daven to Hashem and thank Hashem for the food that you just given. The person refused. He, make, he charged him an exorbitant fee. Which point the person would say, you know what, maybe I will pray. We see, therefore, when the three angels come to him, and then two of them go to late. Here, then, itself, may love all three of them. When two afterwards went to late, the Pasuk says the two angels came to Sedarim in the evening. Late saw them and got up to greet them. He also got up to greet them. By Avram, what did the Torah call them? Not angels, Anoshim, people. Ordinary men. But by light it had to say angels. Avram was such a great tzaddik. And the mitzvah was so important to him, it didn't make a difference to him who the guest was. He greeted everybody equally. Mashain came light. person wasn't prestigious enough. He wasn't interested in having him at his house. If it was prestigious enough, he gave, yes, he had, he was hospitable uh, and everything. <laughs> Tell a story of a tzaddik. In the olden days, today it's more prominent than in the olden days, actually. In the olden days, it was very common practice that a tzaddikim, before they were niskala, before they were revealed to the world that they were tzaddikim, they would go around in, incognito, one such tzaddik came to a town and he was incognito. He was not dressed as a tzaddik. He was not acting. He was not doing anything. He had no followers. Everybody knew at the time that the head of the city wasn't the mayor, but a very big dignitary in the city, would always have the prominent guests. Anybody important, he would take in. But when the head of the community saw this non-discreet tzaddik, said, I'm sorry, I, I don't have room for ordinary people. I have only for great people. Years later, when the tzaddik was revealed to the world, and the tzaddik started to lead the life of a tzaddik, and traveled with an entourage, traveled with a wagon, six horses, The tzaddik came to town, that same town again. And when the tzaddik arrived in the town, everyone came out to greet him, of course. And in the forefront was our prestigious head of the community. And the prestigious head of the community came, but as the Rav came to town, he told his 
coachman, take the horses and the wagon and go to the head of the town, to the head of the community. I am going to Chaim Yankel to eat. When the head of the community heard this, he obviously was hurt to no end, not knowing and not recognizing who this actually was. And he came crying to the tzaddik, please, why won't you stay by me? To which the tzaddik responded, I've been to your house before, I've been to this town before. But when I was here last time, I didn't have the entourage. I didn't have the wagon with the six horses. I didn't look important enough to you. Now, I came with six horses. The six horses are what impressed you. If it's the six horses that impressed you, not me as the Yid, then feed the horses, and I'll go where I was wanted before. This is a difference of Avraham Avinu's hospitality to anyone else. That there was no such thing as a prestigious guest, guest Avraham Avinu. Every Yid was a prestigious guest. Tzvi Yisrael is not happy with what I'm saying. Okay, he'll be fine. It's late night. Let your mother and father get some sleep. It's one of our people on Skype that's uh, with a newborn and uh, he's having a little uh, hard time over there. The question, what happened here what transpires actually with Akedah Yitzchak? Now we've told the stories I know before and I know that I'm going to hear from anyone that listens to archives how you've told this before and how you're doing it, repeating and everything. But it's very important to repeat because not everybody's going through the archives and these are very, very important lessons from the Pasha. story is told of the Chassidim in the beginning when the Chassidim started to come to surface in the world and the Misnagdasha world had a different type of Misnagdas to Chassidim the Misnagdas was Lahashmid was, Laharig uh, as we would say it was very very serious and very severe if someone Rahman al-Atzlan did a shidduch with a boy. Their daughter got married to a boy. They found out later was a chassid. There was there was practically shiva sat for it. It was a very very severe issues between the chassidim and the misnagdim at the time. Not between the chassidim and the misnagdim, but rather between the, the misnagdim to the towards the chassidim. And it got to a point where a convention was called of the Gedalim and the Ge'inim to put the Chassidim in Chedim to just 
Cherem is a very severe thing, actually. It's, it's a lot worse than it actually can be translated in English. When someone is a Cherem, they're not, you cannot do anything. You cannot talk to them. You cannot sit with them. They may not come into your shul. They cannot marry their children. You cannot. It's, it's a horrific, horrific status. And this convention was going to put the Chassidim in Cherem. They needed X amount of signatures to do such. At the time, the Magid had many, the Mazritcha Magid had many different students, Talmidim, who were ultimately became leaders of Chassidim, of different sects, of different areas. One was the Yedid, the Chaver, the Chavrusa, the very close. Um, use the word companion, but let's use companion to the Alter Rebbe. That was Rebbe Kalina. Rebbe Kalina was very, very sharp. Sharp means that we had to sometimes look out for what he had to tell you. And he didn't tolerate, he had a very low tolerance level to the stupidity of the world. As a chassid, obviously, he had a higher tolerance level to everything else. But this he could not tolerate. And even more so, if you're a chassid, you're imbued with love, and love for every Jew. And when you hear Achman al-Tzlan, a Jew is doing something very wrong, you try very hard to help them. But being the kanoi that he was, the Magid sent him to abolish this meeting, to abolish this quote-unquote convention. But being concerned about who Rav Kalina was, he warned him to do it with Rachmanus, sympathy. And so Rav Kalina travels and comes to where the convention is held, obviously would not enter such a building, and stood outside listening. And he hears them trying to convince, and we have to also understand that in those times, many people didn't even know what Hasidim were. He told the person, the Hasidim, how horrific they are, and terrible, they didn't know who these Hasidim were, what they were doing. So one of the Yudayim, one of the greater people of the generation, was being asked to sign this letter, Putting the Yidin, putting the Chsidim, and he said, What are Chsidim? Why am I putting them in Chsidim? And they started to explain to him how horrific and how they this and how they that. And they daven most of the day, and he says, One minute. They put on Tfilin. He says, Tfilin, they put on four pairs. Do they wear tzitzes? Tzitzes, they wear tzitzes that goes and covers their whole body, dafka covers the way it covers the body, and they make sure it covers from this side, from that side, and they keep it in one place. And they daven, they daven three times a day in shul, they daven three times a day in shul, not always with a minion, because they daven very, very long. They daven ba'aveda. They have a very, very long service until they have all their intentions and all their kavanas, all their thoughts are put out 
So he says, listen, according to what you're describing to me, Chassidim sound like very fine people. Not only don't I want to put them in a cherem, I might even want to join them. People got infuriated by this person and they drove him out. And Baran Kalina all the while is listening to these conversations, to the debates that are going on. And then the next person they try to get to sign, and he refuses to sign. And they ask him, why are you refusing to sign? He says, I will tell you. In this week's Parsha, we see a very interesting phenomenon. We see that God comes to Avram Avinu and says, bring your son as a sacrifice. And then suddenly, as Avram Avinu is about to slaughter his son on the altar, an angel comes along and stops him. My question to you, he says, how could it be possible that if, a, if God Almighty commanded Avram Avinu to do something, that Avram then listens to an angel and he stops? And they're all listening, and he explains. The answer is because to do anything wrong to a Jew, only God himself can do that. To save a Jew, an angel is sufficient. And again, they got very irate with this person, and they got very upset with him. And they threw him out. At this point, the Kalina got a little fed up. As it says, Davar Melech says in Tehillim, he's Esa'inai He raised his eyes up to heavens, to the mountains. And he said, It says in the Shira of Az Yashir, And he translated as follows. Uvereiv Gaincha, when the greatest of your Gainim, Taris Kamecha will stand up against you. Tishalach, you should send Kharencha your anger, Kakash, and consume them like straw. A fire descended from heaven and consumed the building. Everybody barely, barely got out with their lives. When he returned to the Magad, they already heard the story of the fire. And they heard how there was nothing signed. And they understood, of course, that it was all his doing. And the Magad said, I told you with Rahmanis. And he answered the Magad, if the Magad did not have told me with Rahmanis, nobody would have come out alive from there. We have to understand though what is the whole concept of the Akedah? What is that greatness 
that the Akeda brings about. So much so that it's on the Shoshana, we repeat, repeat throughout Yom Nirayim. What schus, what merit do we repeat, do we talk about? We talk about the merit of the Akeda. Zecher Akeda Savram Yitzchak Miyakim. Zecher, 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 Zecher. What is so great about the Akeda? Story is told. Of a king that once went shop, once went hunting with his posse, and they were hunting for boars. And as they were hunting, it was not a very good day for hunting. Obviously, the boars were doing better than the people, and they could not find anything. Towards the end of the day, a wild boar showed up on the scene. And the king began to pursue it. The king was a good hunter, a good catcher, tracker. And he chased and he chased and he chased, and by the time he, after a long chase, and he finally lost the animal, near, near catching him, he realized he was alone. His brilliant guards and everybody else lost the king. And it's starting to turn evening. And it's starting to turn cold. So the king turned his coat inside out so nobody should notice that it's the royal coat. By chance meeting an enemy in the forest would be detrimental to him. He's alone, no guards. And he started to look for shelter, realizing that he wasn't getting out of here tonight. And as he looked for shelter, he saw a little house, a little shed. And he looked inside, and there was a little Jew, a woodchopper by trade, sitting on a stone with a book, a little fire burning. And his wife fast asleep. At this point, the king's feet and hands were frozen. And he approached and he knocked on the door. And the man opens the door and says, I don't know if you're a robber or not. If you're a robber, I have nothing for you to steal. But if you're, even if you are, if you aren't, please come inside because it's freezing outside, you must be frozen. And the king entered without saying a word. He took him, he sat him down by the fire to the frost, and he brought him tea, and he brought him food. And he gave him a beautiful little straw bed to sleep on. Late next morning, the king said, Okay, I'm going to go back home, I'm leaving. Um, I'd like to repay you. He says, No, I don't need anything, please. It's, it's, it's uh, my pleasure. The king insisted that the man take one gold coin. First hospitality. Gold coin is a tremendous amount of money. And he took the gold coin and he was at peace. Two days later there's a knock at the man's door. He opens the door and there's a whole entourage from the king. 
top-ranking general dressed up in full full gear. Soldiers, the king would like to have a word with you. King? Me? Why? No questions asked. Put on your best clothing and get going. Put on his Shabbos garments and if only a short time later he's standing in the inner chambers of the king in front of the bedecked king on his high almighty throne. And as he's sitting in front of the standing in front of the king, the king says to him, I've been waiting for you. We've been watching you. We've been seeing you. And I observed you're a very honest and smart man. And therefore I would like you to become one of my advisors. Your compensation for becoming my advisor, which, by the way, is only from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock every afternoon, that's all you have to work, my compensation is $1,000 a day. You'll have a beautiful house on the premises of my kingdom, my palace. You have as many servants as you need at your disposal. Any food that you'd like, we will get for you. Only one little thing. I can't have a Jewish advisor. So I'm offering you a life of comfort like you've never imagined in your life. In your wildest dreams, you never dreamt of being so comfortable and so happy. I'm offering all this for one little pittance, and that is that you convert. You have to become a Christian. The Yid looked at the king straight in the eye and said, Your Majesty, I can't tell you how thankful I am to your beautiful offer and gracious offer, but it's not happening. I cannot convert. I am a Jew, and I will always remain a Jew. As he answered with his audacity, as far as the king was concerned, the king clapped his hands three times, and out of nowhere appeared appeared three henchmen. One put down a big butcher block. One threw the Jew onto the block, with his neck exposed, and the third holding a hatchet. And he said to the Jew, this is your choice. You meet the hatchet, or you convert. The Jew's response was, Shema Yisrael Hashem Adekeinu Hashem Echot. He is prepared to die in the name of Hashem. But he will not convert. Suddenly the king clapped three times again. And the Jew hears his name being called and the king says, rise up. And as the henchman helps him up to his feet, and he opens his eyes, he sees he's actually alive. And the king is smiling and he says, I want to tell you what happened. When I was a young boy, my father was the king. And I would wander through the palace. Wandering through the palace, 
My favorite person I would like to stop by was by the tailor, the Jewish tailor. He was unique. He was unique in that the way he taught his children, the way he educated his children, devoted his time to his children. He was unique in his behavior, he was unique in the way he prayed, and it really, really caught my heart, captured my heart. So much so, I used to listen to his Torah lessons, and he told him the story of your father Abraham, taking his son Isaac and putting him on the altar. I said, my gosh, what a ludicrous story taking his son and tying him down and getting ready to slaughter him. And the father said, you know why he did this? For God. Because God commanded and he wanted to make God happy. And I thought to myself, that's not why we live. That's not why we do things. We do things and we live for us. What's in it for me? And Avram taught that, no, this is not the way of a Jew. The way of a Jew is, how do I serve Hashem better with this? And therefore I wanted to reward you. You don't recognize me. Let me take off my crown. Let me take off my cape. And you will see. And he takes off his crown and his cape. And everybody's aghast. The king removing his crown. But the youth sees this. And says, my gosh, you are in my house. He says, yes, and I wanted to reward you. And I knew that a no better reward could there be for a Jew than to actually sacrifice his life for God. So I offered you that opportunity. And I brought you till the brink, until the precipice that you were about to be killed, and your response was, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Echad. This too is what the lesson to us of the Akedah is. That we have to see to it that we do things not for us, not for our sake, not for our benefit always, but for the Ebishter, for the Ebishter alone. Whether it be a mitzvah of Israel, whatever it is, we have to do it full heartedly and we're doing it for Hashem. That is therefore why the greatest lesson and the greatest thing, better than Lech, greater than Lech Lecha Me'artzacha, is Akedis Yitzchak. Because with Akedis Yitzchak, it's a lesson forever and ever, although Lech Lecha is to go out of your essence and to go out of your metzias and to go out of your normal behavior and your daily routine and become elevated and become a special person but Akedah Yitzchak is even higher it tells us, not only do you go out of your essence of your metzias but you should become one with God that everything you do is for the name of God and therefore we should be Zeicha God should remember, and by remembering the Akedah, should remember the rest of the Yidin that are now in Golis and exile, and should, with great love and sympathy for the Jews, take us out tonight out of Golis, so that the Vayeda, all of us, should be able to have the merit of God appearing to us this very, very Shabbos.